Generations seem to be a big deal. Not sure you want to be defined by the year of your birth? Aren't we all unique? Then how do we explain Tinder and self-branding to a boomer? And how do you explain the importance of keeping a home and budgeting to a millennial? I'm Katie McEwen, a baby boomer and the author of Oldie's Guide to the Millennial World. My friend Anna Blackie is a millennial and the author of How to Adult. And in this podcast, we talk about the things that make our generations different and what we can learn from each other to make living in this crazy world a little bit easier. So we're very excited today to talk a bit between ourselves about matters of the heart. And we know this is a big topic that's had multiple changes between um, the generation, my generation of baby boomers and Anna's generation of the millennials. Um, and as a bit of an introduction, um, as a baby boomer, I've been married for the last 32 years. Um, and Anna is a young single and has closed off her heart to love. It's cold and dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this came about, I guess, as I was watching how my kids approached relationships and um, these matters. And so that's the parts in my book that I've discussed. And uh, Anna has talked about several bits of the millennial influence on her relationships in her book. Um, and so here we are and we'll discuss a few of the differences that we found. Um, so I guess... What sums it up for me really is Facebook, uh, where your relationship status is put as it's complicated. And of course, it's much more complicated these days than it ever was in my time. I always thought that it's complicated status on Facebook was kind of a joke. And when we were all in high school, everyone was like, oh, it's complicated. Like, how funny. But now people actually use it. And it's a real it's a real thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think relationships are much more complicated than they were in my life. Um so more and more, obviously, people your age are openly questioning their sexuality to start with. So that's a whole one whole aspect of it. But also how, how you go about meeting people, building relationships and the longevity of those relationships is quite different. Mm. Yeah, I think you're definitely encouraged to meet people online and online dating is like a huge thing. Everyone does it. There's so many different platforms that you can use and it's like we talked about in our last episode, it's like online shopping. There's a million options and it's a little bit overwhelming and it's just, yeah, crazy. It's a how, whole different world. How do you get to know about all the different ones? I mean, obviously people, you know, people know about Tinder, but then there are, you know, various other ones, obviously. How do you, do you is it just by talking to friends that you get to know different ones? Yeah, definitely a bit of, yeah, friend networking with that kind of stuff. But also I get targeted advertising um, for ages, I was getting like Instagram ads for Christian Mingle, which um, <laughs> was probably not the best targeted advertisement. Um, but there's like, because Hinge is quite a big one now, and I was getting a lot of targeted advertising for Hinge, especially on Facebook. Right. Um, yeah. So I've tried it from there. And that, yeah. yeah. Kind of so you there. try, would you then um, have a profile on most of these and try them all and see which ones work best? Or? Yeah. I mean, I always do the really. Um, it's probably a really bad plan, but I sign up for like multiple at a time and then I'm using all these different ones and then I'm like, oh my God, it's just, <laughs> I'm using like four different apps and I'm talking to people on every one and then I get really overwhelmed and I'm like, I'll just stop talking to everyone and then I do and then I'm like, oh, I haven't spoken to anyone in so long. I'm just, it's just overwhelming. Yeah, it's very confusing. And do you, um, what's the percentage of all those conversations that you start or pictures that you start looking at to swipe? swiping is something that's new to my generation <laughs> so that's a, that's been an interesting experience to learn all that um actually turn into turning up and meeting with someone in real person real life i think that when i first started using dating apps probably like oh, like 30 percent of the people that i 
actually matched with I'd meet up with. Right. Um, but now that I've been using them for a bit longer and I'm a bit jaded, <laughs> it's more like you'll match with people and like whether or not you even talk with the person that you've matched with is like, uh, like the pe- of the people that I'm talking to, I probably meet up with like one out of ten maybe. Right. And how good is it at bringing those people to a, re- you know, getting a good match at the end of it? Do you think it? Do you think all the um, the way those apps work are efficient or not? Um, I think it depends on your intent when you go into like, using a dating app, and I think because like the more you use each of the apps, the more you can kind of see that they have different purposes. I guess right. like Tinder is a hookup app, so it's good at helping you find people to hook up with if that's what you're looking for. Um, hooking up being like meeting someone with the intent to have sex or have a casual relationship. Right. And um, I understand that there are phrases and um, ways that people approach these apps that make that quite clear. Yes. That you're not, you know, going, someone's not going expecting a lovely romantic dinner when yeah. they've answered an ad that says something <laughs> specifically <laughs> yeah. that implies yes. that that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the bio. Like, if someone's got, like, DTF or something in their headline, you're probably... Oh, um, <laughs> DTF being down to fuck. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but then you've got like Hinge, which is an app. They, the way that they advertise that app is that it's all about like finding a match and it's the app to stop you from having to use apps. And so from using, like comparing that to using Tinder, I do find that people on there are a little bit more serious. And the way that the app is designed is they have a series of questions that you can answer. Um, and that goes on your profile. So you've got your photos as you typically would, but then instead of having like a short bio, you can answer like, what's your craziest travel story or right. what's your biggest pet peeve? And then you can kind so of... So it's more match. connection, more connection between those. Yeah, and it definitely gives you a more kind of organic end. And some like of them real. give uh, the uh, female in the relationship, um, if it's a heterosexual uh, app, the ability to have control of what happens. In yeah, that, so Bumble is yeah. a big one. And yeah. I think if you're, I think you can use that regardless of your preference and it's just right. the girl gets to talk first right um so you can match with each other and then you go yep so girl starts a conversation and the other person has 24 hours to respond if they don't respond at that time then it gets it expires and then right. you're sad after and of course there's um ones for all types of relationships it's not just you know the standard but do you ever meet people just normally in a you know as we would tend to have met in a pub or in a, at a party or how I mean, does, does yeah. that work? I still, I still think that's the mode of meeting that I definitely prefer. Yeah. I find online is really like, it's very like of the moment and you have to put a lot of time into it and really like, I don't know, the idea of like going out and meeting a stranger that you've just been talking to online, is just like a hassle. Like I'd rather just hang out with people that I know yes. and I've spoken to. Um, like you do still meet people out and stuff, but it definitely feels... Even in, like, the three or so years that I've been using these apps, it feels different from how it was before. Like, people are less likely to approach you now than they might have been in the past, I think. Because there's that assumption that, like, if you were looking to date, you're using an app. You would be using an app. Yeah. okay. I mean, I don't know if that's just how I'm perceiving it. Maybe I'm putting out, like, a vibe or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but definitely it does seem like it's not as... 
normal to yes. approach someone in public. Yes. And I think before when um, apps were first becoming a big thing, people who had started relationships on Tinder or whatever, there was like a huge stigma about it. Yes. And heaps of people used to write in their bios, like, I promise I'll lie to your friends about how we met and all that oh. kind of stuff. And it's just like... Now nobody cares because literally like, everyone's met on a but dating app. Is that right? So out of your friends, say your friends who are in standard relationships, how would they have met? Would it not be through social groups? Um, Might it be? Well, how many? Uh, uh, most of my close friends actually have met through our friendship groups. Mm. Um, but so you're I spending do... a lot of time on all these apps and then actually yeah, people are still meeting in yeah. a normal way, which seems a bit of a... It does, um, yeah. But, like, there are, I do know a lot of people that have met on dating apps and stuff as well. Um, and, like, I know, like, one of my friends has a really wonderful, amazing relationship and she met her partner on Tinder. They've mm. been dating for, like, three years and, like, it definitely does. does happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, interesting. I mean, I guess I, it's hard to remember exactly how we met, but we would just meet people in a pub or uh, yeah. uh, with friends. Um, and that seems to work pretty well. And those relationships, yeah. you know, a lot of those relationships still going many well, years later. I feel like the friend thing is, uh, like, to me that's the best way to meet someone because yep. you already, like, if you're being introduced by a friend, then you know that your friend's not going to set you up with some yes, weirdo. Yes, you likely have things in common. Yeah, and if you're, you know, going out with someone who is already a friend, then you already know you like them and that's nice as well. You don't have to do mm. all the weird talking online about, what's your job? Like, oh, yeah, how, how long have yeah. you been using this app? Where do you live? Like, it's mm. it's weird. Yeah. But then you go on to the fact that relationships now are so different from relationships, um, you know, in, in my life. It sounds terrible um, <laughs> when we met. But we would tend to be in a relationship and be definitely exclusive in that relationship and definitely spend want to spend a lot of time with each other, whereas I see now that people in relationships in your generation will very often have a life separate to their relationship life. A much bigger mm. part of their lives will be separate. Um, and that's, I think some of that's because uh, when you go into a relationship, um, often the commitment is comes later in your life than it did with us. Yeah. So because people have already usually got an established, more established jobs, careers, education, um, and so they're more independent when they come to that point. Mm. Um, and so they tend to do a lot more things separately than we would or our generation would. Yeah, I think also it's probably part of that, like, feel like there's kind of a move towards deconstructing the norms of not just relationships but like a lot of things with millennials like the way that we see careers and like money and family and everything is kind of starting to shift where people feel like that they can kind of choose how they want to do things and not live a life based on the way that society is telling them so much like not to say that we're completely like bucking trends or anything but I think people feel a little bit more comfortable to be like I like being in a relationship, I want to have a partner, but I'm just not ready for the commitment that yep. is expected of me right now, so I'm just going to build into it. Um, yes. And that kind of seems to be something that people are adopting a little bit more now and kind of like easing their way into stuff. Mm. And I do think also apps have like a big part to play in that again because there are so many more options, especially with like the exclusivity element. I think for people that are very good at using apps, like you can literally just see people all the time and if mm. like you haven't actually spoken with your partner about whether or not you're exclusive or whatever then you can be like we're in this gray area and everyone's using apps and it's fine and I can go hook up with a lot of people and mm. like if that's the relationship that you have that you have then that's cool and yeah if not the it's... really interesting thing that I found in the book was though that the millennial generation are likely to have eight partners and the baby boomers in their lifetime and the baby boomers likely to have had 11 
Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> so that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. But then yeah. your generation is much more likely to be single also than our generations were. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't surprising. surprise me no. so much, actually. But no, I, Yeah, I do think that there's people are less worried about being single, maybe. Yes, I um, agree. And because, like, I have a few people that I know of, like, your generation that are that have lived single and there's kind of, like, a stigma towards those people and, like, mm. you know, that, like, really nasty words that are associated with being single, like spinster and, you know, it's just, like, that's not something that you really hear as much now unless people are saying it behind my back and I haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that that's very much more common. I know a lot of people of your generation who are single and quite happy to be single. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not at a loss of things to do because of the social connections, but mm. they certainly don't require a per- person to validate them or to feel... Um, in any way normal yeah and I wonder if that's part of like the um, whole children and family thing as well because people again like uh, people of my generation talk a lot more openly about not wanting to have kids and that's definitely something that again seems to be a more recent thing that it's quite typical for people to not be interested in having kids now and whereas everyone kind of went Mm. and made families but um and what do you think about marriage because uh, you you know, that potentially is the end game for still a lot of people of your generation. Um, mm. You know, you can see from when the same-sex marriage laws came in how popular that was with yeah. a number of people. Um, so it still seems to be something that people that are actually doing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, personally, I like the idea of marriage, and I think, like, I know a lot of people that do and that they aim mm. to get married at some point. But, again, I think, like, uh, the conversations that I have with my friends about it now, it's like, yeah, that would be nice, but not necessary not like it's not a big expenditure that's kind of a big thing that comes up Mm. um and i mean from when i was writing how to adult i found out a lot about de facto relationships and i mean they're basically exactly the same as marriage and you have like a lot of similar rights and um it just like realistically it's like being married without having to go through that massive ceremony and that massive expense. Yes. Um, and that was just really interesting to kind of, like, actually discover what, like, the legal definitions of those two things are because at the end of the day, like, you can you can even have a um, prenup for de factos. It's not called a prenup. It's a um, – it's in a – some kind of agreement that you can have with all of your stuff even though you're not married. Right. So, like, it's, like, again, essentially the same rights. With de facto relationships after two years, you – like you actually are in a de facto relationship and you can either legally Without define it. doing anything, just yeah. purely by being with someone for two years. Yeah, so you have to, it's, there's a whole list of things that if you were to go, go to court over it, they ask you about to right. determine if you're in a genuine domestic partnership. But it's basically just if you've been living together for two years, like your level of financial dependence on each other. So I don't think it's like you have to pay for anything, but if you're like sharing rent or like, you know, sharing those expenses. And, like, if you have kids together, I think, is the big one. Well, that would be, yes. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, that kind of stuff, again, like, you have essentially the same rights as you do as someone that's married, and I think you get, if you were to break up, you have, like, an entitlement to, like, half of everyone's stuff, and that's why you can kind of enter into those almost prenup agreements for de facto's. What do you think about um, how people use technology in relationships now? Like nudes, selfies, sex <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Oh, Katie. <laughs> um, I, no, it hasn't, doesn't crop up in my everyday conversations. <laughs> Are you sure? 
maybe not talking about that. I don't think I'm in the right dating game, even in my generation, to (laughs) be exposed to those things. And I don't know whether people my age... I feel that's just a very young person thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe we're just a bit more jaded about the consequences of those things. And and because I think we're less familiar with social media, we're more scared to put things out out there, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely think it's a super interesting thing to engage in because I naturally am very cynical and distrustful so I'm like well that's good (laughs) probably a smart way to be yeah well and also it's that whole like internet decorum thing like don't talk to people online the way like if you wouldn't talk to them like that in real life and I find that there's this whole like especially when you're using dating apps like boys will send messages that you're like oh oh dear like in my christian neighborhood like oh my god um, but, you got the, t- the christian <laughs> <laughs> they know that i'm an internet prude that's right <laughs> but it's like if you don't i wouldn't want someone to like screenshot those messages and send them to my mum. so yeah. like, i'm not gonna engage yeah. in that yeah but it is a interesting thing there's so little online privacy when you really think about it it's like yeah. the idea that there are like photos of you like floating around out there is just really terrifying um, so, Anna, what do you think about equality in relationships these days? Do you think that there's been any shift in the difference in a, say, in a heterosexual relationship? Because that's obviously where our experiences lie. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's any difference between my generation and your generation? Um, I definitely think that there's more of a everyone does the work kind of attitude, or at least that's the way it seems like um, in my previous relationship, like we both were really focused on us both having like equally successful careers and like both having kind of our own exterior lives to the relationship that we're fulfilling and then being able to come together and have a fulfilling life in the middle as well. I mean, it's hard to say, it's hard to give a comparison because the only real model that I ever noticed was my parents and both of them worked full time and had their own kind of like right. careers and yeah so you were lucky in that you saw that it was yeah, yeah. Yes, what do you that. think it how do you think it's well changed? i think um even though our generation were lucky in that they were educated and women were going out to work um there was still that sense of um men generally being the bigger breadwinner and mm. more dominant in that re- in a relationship um i think that's just changed gradually over the years and it's just a function of all sorts of all sorts of things, including um, better education, more job opportunities for women, more socially acceptable for all those things to be happening. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a much better and more positive and healthier relationship where you can act like you are, are suggesting rather than like some of the people I know of yeah. my generation. I think it's interesting as well because like we talk a lot in our office about the emotional load that women bear as well. And I think... Yes. like. From my perspective, that's something that's always really bothered me because even though women and, like, I see a lot of relationships where, like, the partners are both living their own, like, rich lives and getting to experience all these things and they're both having these kind of similar experiences where they both get to do a job that they like and do things that they like, but at the same time, at the end of the day, they're coming home and the woman is, like, looking after dinner and shopping and all that kind of stuff and it feels like while a lot of things have changed there's like some basic level where those things have not really like mm. taken up so much and that sometimes really like gets me down because I'm like will those things ever change is that just the way that society is built that women worry about the house stuff and the future babies and just the, the way people are wired yeah, yeah. and lower well, like physically not, yeah. having to have the children yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because it's like I mean again like watching 
parents from like when I was a child definitely like it is the expectation even when you're in school that parents say oh yeah your mum made you lunch and you know like all that and we're just kind of ingrained with this idea that like there is a difference in the way that we have to interact yeah. in our relationships like that so and at least yeah. the children eat healthily when the mother makes lunch <laughs> <laughs> perpetuating stereotypes Katie <laughs> yeah it's it's hard like because you want to frame your own relationship. And I definitely know that I have that attitude where I'm like, it's, if I don't do it, it's going to be done wrong. And so it's like, <laughs> I might as well do all these things. And it's like, no, people have got to learn. But then it's like, if, if they learn by doing wrong, like, I just don't want them to learn. Like, it's, it's very hard. <laughs> do you think that there's a generational, like, fear or confusion to the way that millennials are dating now? Like, as a parent of millennials or with friends who have millennial children, do you think that that's like a concern that people have, not understanding how dating is changing? Yes, absolutely, which yeah. is why these chapters are in the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, firstly, the um, all the, the use of apps and things, but, but yes, how people operate within relationships and the freedom and sec- the change in sexuality and attitudes towards sexuality, I think, is tough for a lot of parents. Mm. Many of my friends have at least one child who identifies as something other than heterosexual, um, and it's been interesting to watch how those people have reacted to that and mm. taken that on board or not. Um, I think I'm probably a bit unusual in that I've got pretty well-educated and um, friends who are open-minded enough to accept that yeah. and move on, but I think there's a lot of people who would have would struggle really struggle with that yeah because it's a loss a loss to them of so many things that they just accept or would take for granted in their their children's lives and the fact that they would have grandchildren or that might not be so easy or that their Mm. children are putting themselves in a position where life might be tough tougher for them in that relationship um and also it's the the change in sexuality and the uh, sexual fluidity is just something that they don't understand yeah Mm. Yeah, I guess like the grandchildren thing in particular is quite interesting because I never thought about that as being a reason why people would arc up against the idea that their child wasn't heterosexual. But that does actually make a bit of sense that that might be a, like, a concern more than yes. like, yeah. Yes, yeah. and there's no point in worrying about it really because you yeah. may because easily not have grandchildren whether you, whatever sexuality your children are yeah. and you can't influence that either because it's their lives and they'll make those decisions without any influence in you. Yeah. And also... Um, you know, I don't want to be your own life to be validated by the fact that you're looking after someone else's children. Yeah. Which <laughs> seems to be happening a lot of time with my generation and slightly older where they're unpaid labour for <laughs> that next generation. <laughs> well, everything's very expensive. So exactly. You need some unpaid labour. Exactly. I also really hope my dad is listening to this. <laughs> you don't need to validate your life with grandchildren. <laughs> and there's no sign of them for me either, so that's good. <laughs> you guys can hang out together. Exactly. Have a beautiful time with no grandchildren and maybe like a lot of wine or something. Uh, so the other thing about dating apps and general relationships now is that there's a whole new terminology that people of my generation and me in particular had no clue about. Um, and two of them are ghosting and catfishing. And explain to me <laughs> what these two are and what they mean. Ghosting is like a real trigger for me right now. Um, but it's when you're talking to someone online and then you just stop pretty much and you like disappear off their socials you disappear um, or they choose well you could be the ghoster so if oh, right. you ghost someone then you stop talking to them and you just disappear and if right. you are ghosted then they stop right. talking to you yeah um 
catfishing is when you pretend to be someone that you're not online. Um, I guess there was this really famous story recently of this guy that um, thought that he was in like a four year long relationship with Katy Perry. Um, and he was like convinced that he and Katy had this online relationship. And then, really? uh, yeah, he was like tweeting about it or something. And then eventually Katy oh, Perry, was he? he was older, like he was like 34 or something. Oh. And he'd like never left his like he, old enough to know that he wasn't in a relationship <laughs> with Katy Perry. <laughs> he um, yeah, like tweeted about it or something. Then eventually Katy Perry, like the real Katy Perry realized that this was happening. And she tweeted him back and she's like, mate, it's not me. Like, <gasps> I'm really sorry. And he's like, no, Katie would never say that. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he still thinks that he's dating Katie Perry. So whoever the catfisher is, is incredibly successful. But I thought that these that there were things put in place in these new dating apps where you couldn't really get away with being someone that you're not. You had to put in certain amounts of information that tied with, I don't know, with your Facebook or whatever profile that you had yeah. so that you date a birth and so that you couldn't actually... I think it's... It's very hard, but like right. if you really wanted to, you could probably make like a fake Facebook profile and then link it up right. through that. Through but that. it just seems like a lot of effort. But yeah, when you make a dating profile, usually you're linking it with your Facebook or your email. Or and what would be like the that. point of doing that? I think usually it's if for you've been money. So revolting that, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. But like, and yeah, you convince someone to give you money. But I don't know if this Katy Perry's boyfriend had ever given money. <laughs> no, I think probably a lot of them start mm. off as jokes. Like, right. Um, and I remember definitely before online dating was a thing, when I was in high school, there were all those like chat roulette and omegle, like all those video chat things. And people used to like catfish on there and like, I don't know, like right. go on and like be easy to do people. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And bulletin boards, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was like a big thing. It was like, just like a fun thing that everyone did, like catfishing right. each other. But yeah, definitely. It just seems like a really time consuming exercise. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But ghosting is a big thing. I've ghosted, um, I've been I've ghosted. Why, why would you do that? Just because it gets to a point where that relationship is just all too hard and you t- or people are too demanding? Yeah. I guess there's probably a couple of reasons. Like if you, if it's like not going anywhere and you're just like over it, so you stop messaging back eventually and then they just leave you alone or um, like you've got a lot of other people that you're talking to. and you Is just... it not easy just to say, I yeah. think I'm moving on, rather yeah. than just to ghost them? Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, yeah, definitely, like, the worst ones are, like, when you're just chatting to someone, you haven't actually met them, it's like, you stop talking to them, like, whatever, if you... It's like, you're busy. Yeah. And and then sometimes it just, like, naturally fades. It's more so when you've, like, actually met up with someone, or, yes. like, you've had some kind of relationship either developing or that has been, like, fully going, and then they stop talking to you, and then it's like, that's... That's just bad manners. Yeah. <laughs> it's rude. It is really rude. And, like, this is... I think we spoke about this last year when I went out with someone, and I was like not really feeling it all that much like oh yeah like but maybe i'll go out on a second date with them and then they ghosted me and i was like this is bullshit like i don't even really like you that much to begin with <laughs> and so then you like you lose the ability to tell them that they suck because then they ghosted you and it's yeah it's really hard hmm. now our whole podcast audience is gonna know about my sad dating life <laughs> <laughs> well i guess i mean probably ghosting happened in my day but just someone not calling you and you'd probably be sitting waiting for the phone call and never yeah, came. Yeah, I guess so. And you couldn't even stalk them to see what they were doing. That's you'd even <laughs> sadder actually because then you miss out on the whole like creepy Especially before calling. mobile phones you'd have to sit at home and wait for the phone to ring. And then you lose the opportunity to be ghosted by someone else. <laughs> you could be meeting all these new people. <laughs> True. Yeah, I True. think there's another one as well called it's like phantoming or something where you like they've ghosted you 
and just like disappeared and then all of a sudden they like kind of come back and they start like watching your Instagram stories or like liking a post on Facebook uh, here and there. Oh, yeah. creepy. Yeah, it's even worse. Cause That's it's like, like a stalker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like a stalker that doesn't want to interact with you. It's just like a stalker from afar. <laughs> if you're a boomer and you want to know more about the millennial world, you can find out everything you need to know in Katie's book, Oldie's Guide to the Millennial World. If you need some lessons on how not to be a trash human, as I once was, you can get wise and get it together by reading my book, how to adult. I'm Anna Blackie and thanks for listening.